Hi guys, got your call, what's wrong? The Oodcast is broken. We can't make our words appear as pictures on the screen. What I mean is we can't make the recording stuff... record. Have you plugged everything in? Of course, even this. That's an Xbox controller. Is it? Well, it's not working. Have you turned it all off and on again? Better. We turned it all on and off again too. It's just booted now. Right, let's see. We thought it might be time for emergency measures. You mean... I want to go in! Pauses to put on best dramatic voice. There may be no other way! (sighs) Yeah, you might be right. This is all working like normal. Come on then, put on your boiler. Suits. We wanted to be prepared. I've already got my character sorted. We told him he was an android. I'm preparing my emotionally pained hand gesture for later on. Not now, Andy. You're in a crowded space. Oh, Andy, you scamp. What is that noise? That's the self-destruct mechanism. Sorry, dudes. We're going to have to hurry now. Quick, in here. Where did that come from? It's the emergency hatch. It's always been there. Laws left a beanbag on it once and it just seemed to cover it up nicely. I like a good beanbag. They're deceptive little rascals. Come on, some of us have a voice that's begging to be heard, you know. Well, which way? Hmm. This door, I think. Oh, not this one then. What is it? Well, when we designed the Oogcast, I let Loz have a go at creating the rooms. This is the Hall of Balloons. They make me shiver. Air-filled rubber bubbles that squeak if you touch them. Why make a whole room of them, then? To keep them up my way. Ask a silly question, Andy. Come on, there's not much time left. Alf, try that door. Ooh, this one's nice. It's tall. It's my favourite creation. The Celebrity Vegetable Room. Celebrity Vegetable. Each item in the room is a vegetable that Loz thinks resembles a famous figure. Look! There's a sweet potato that looks just like Derek Jacobi sitting next to an aubergine that resembles Will I Am. So this isn't where we need to be either? No. Let's try along here. Guys, this is fascinating. What have you found? It's a potato. Well done, Andy. No, 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 that's not all. Look at it. It's the spitting image of Alan Hayward, who played Hector in episode one of The Myth Makers in 1965. Put it down, Andy. Let's go. Can we try the next door? What on earth is this? Ah, this is Loz's non-sequitur library. It's huge. Well, that certainly explains plenty. Loz? Yes? Can I ask you something? Anything. Did you check everything with the equipment? Of course. Then what does that say on your hand? What? The writing in Biro. Um, fiddly little button. And did you check the fiddly little button? Guys, did you know that non sequitur is Latin for does not follow? Ding, 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 Wow, 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 wow.
this is Hugh speaking on behalf of the Doctor Who, other shows from the BBC, and possibly other science fiction shows club that Chris and Laura decided to visit. We really appreciate you guys spending your time coming to visit us, and we wanted to send you some kind of thank you gift in return. Because imitation is the greatest form of flattery and in no way horrifying after the episode Midnight, we decided to do this rendition of your early theme song. Thank you so much for coming to visit us. Bye. Tonight we're gonna strip you down You know how I know? Because it's Wednesday Wednesday is the night that we usually strip stuff down Tuesday night is the night that we usually glue Magnus to Tricky's face and tell him that it's because he's a robot But Wednesday night is the night that we start hammering away Mm. It's when everything is just right You're already laying down after a dodgy Magna Grab incident We've got our overalls on Conditions are perfect for making some scrap. A man turns up and says something weird like, This is going to be the salvage of a lifetime! I know what he's trying to say, baby. He's trying to say, Oh yeah, it's salvage time. It's salvage time. It's salvage. It's salvage time. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for salvage. It's salvage time. It's salvage. Salvage time! Oh yeah! The next thing you know, we're inside you and you're about to explode. That's all part of it, that's exciting. Exploding is very important motivationally. Then you attack us with melty time zombies, which isn't motivational, it's actually quite scary. The next thing you know, we're in the archery car. You're growing what looks like a giant metal tree covered in cables and large bulbous glowing circuit balls. Glowing Glowing circuit circuit balls balls are super cool. I take one for myself. Then I walk along the same corridor a bunch of times. But it's okay, because I make a joke about it being like the classic (laughs) series. The next thing you know, we're trapped on a bridge next to a collapsing star. And you know when things get this crazy, what time it is? It's zombie time. It's zombie. It's zombie time. Trapped on a bridge, it's time for zombies. That's why they're called time zombies. Oh, it's zombie. It's zombie time. Turning in, turning into, turning into time, turning into time zombies. Turns out we are the time zombies that we were running from. We've melted together. Two horribly burnt heads are better than one horribly burnt head. My bro turns to me and says something profound like, Oh, I'm hot. I know what he's trying to say, girl. He's trying to say, oh, yeah, I'm hot. And then he stops talking completely. Well, uh, I'm not surprised. His mouth's burned off. Mm. Let's reset. Let's reset time. Mm, 
let's reset time now, baby. Let's reset. Let's reset time. Big friendly button, baby. Let's reset. Let's reset time. Let's reset. Let's reset time. Hello and hello, welcome, hello. welcome everybody to Series 5, Episode Black and Yellow, uh, or 16 to the rest of us that aren't Andy, um, of the Oodcast. Um, this week we will be talking about Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS, but let's see who we have managed to assemble around this table. To my left is the strikingly wonderful and long-haired... Laura! It's, it's not quite as long as usual. I had about half a foot cut it off it. Cut it off it. Cut it off it earlier uh, today. Nary but two hours hence. They cut off a half a foot of my hair. I was going to say actually, Laura, but I hadn't had a chance to get a word in edgeways whilst we were doing the <laughs> setting up and the sound test. Your hair looks lovely. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, I've been shaking it round as if it was a shampoo advert. Very nice. My favourite shampoo is, you know that coal tar shampoo? Cold tar? Tea gel, I think it's called. Cold, you wash your oh, hair with cold yes. tar? Yeah, oh, cold tar. Isn't the, that really the hard? The German. Like really congealed, like a road surface. No, no, no. It just smells a bit like tarmac and it's really, really nice. <laughs> oh, come on. The smell of tarmac when it's Best being laid is in the great. World. Actually, you're right there. That is yeah. great. It's like creosote in the summer, isn't it? I, mean, yeah. I, I agree, though. Yeah. That would be a bit weird if I'm washing my hair and I can. I, I smell like I'm laying a road surface. Listen, but... I'm going to I'm gonna squirt some on you later before you leave and you'll be what, delighted. Sh- shampoo. Yeah. Andy, yeah. edit this carefully. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that that other voice you heard was the bechecked and very happy Andrew Candish. Yes, that's me. Should I um, just say Andy? Sorry, Andy. Andy, oh. what what color is fifteen? Fifteen. That is black, rusty pink. Oh, so black is the teens, is it? No, 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 no. Black is one. I, we should explain. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's we, what I mean. So, we should explain to the listeners what we're discussing here. I have a disability. Uh, no, I have no, a no. I'd say it's, it's more like a, a no. It's more like a superpower, isn't it? Yeah. I have a superpower called synesthesia, which is mm-hmm. where the senses become muddled and mixed up within your mind or your brain or whatever it is you call it. Um, so when I when I hear words or numbers, particularly numbers, I see colours as patches of colour. Uh, Certain words, also names, I can see colours. Cucumber. Doesn't work with cucumber, but um, Scotland, (laughs) I can taste eggs without the eggs actually being there. No. Iran, I can taste diesel fumes. Wow. Afghanistan is the most amazing stir fry you've ever tasted in your life. Why don't you just say Afghanistan, Afghanistan, Afghanistan Mm. to yourself the whole time? Because I just get really hungry. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But then you can just say Iran, Afghanistan, Iran. Hooray! Then you make yourself feel a bit... Hooray! What's Norway? Is it a roll mop? (laughs) (laughs) Norway is is just very white and blank. Is Sweden a newly opened IKEA store? Mm, maybe no. some meatballs or some but flat I'll tell pack you, furniture I'll, I'll tell you what um when i'm editing the Udcast, yeah um your voices make me taste things or feel things oh loz's voice is like uh, sunshine it's glorious sunshine on my so uh, on, on my face um chris alpha 
you your voice tastes of a lovely warm mocha. Yes, you said that to me on, or I said that to someone on Twitter, which mm. is ironic, seeing as I cannot eat chocolate. Yeah. I know, isn't it? Just so, <laughs> just do sad. not drink your voice. I will try. <laughs> his voice is already in his mouth. What shall he do? God. Oh, he's no wonder I get so many headaches. <laughs> you are so lucky. You don't. You don't have synesthesia as well, because you'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> the whole and then time. and then Chris Sigma is um is is a, a really glorious banana milkshake. That's funny because if I had to characterise him as a drink, <laughs> he would definitely be a banana milkshake. So, do you get any? Any taste with your voice? No. Does your does your name create anything in your head? Or, or my name is my name is very yellow and white. Ooh. I see yellow and white when I when I read or hear Andrew. Wow. Um, where's Chris Sigma today? He's in Warwick. Why? Well, because he's very busy driving up and down the country. Oh. You're listening to the One Minute Ood. 60 seconds of concentrated commentary because we're all in a hurry and some of us don't have the attention span for two minutes. Hi everyone, I'm not with the others again this week so I wanted to take a minute, literally a minute, to tell you what I thought. Well it was a solid well-structured episode but I couldn't help but feel a little bit disappointed. I mean this was the TARDIS, the most magical, mysterious, fantastical ship in the universe. But what we got on screen could basically have been any ship. Endless bland corridors and only brief glimpses of the crazy, mind-blowing interiors we know lurk somewhere in the depths of the ship. I understand the budget argument, but really this idea should have been saved for a slot when the production design could do it justice. Where were the bowling alleys, the cathedrals, the ice cream factories, the rooms full of giant pinball machines? For me, Doctor Who is at its best when it comes charging onto the screen, off its face on too much sugar, ideas, over-ambitious concepts and gags falling out of its overstuffed pockets like candy. This seemed pedestrian and safe by comparison. But hey... It's Doctor Who, it's still beautiful television, and there'll be something completely different along next week. And that's your one minute ood for this week. I was almost a bit negative there, wasn't I? Don't worry, I'd still rather watch Doctor Who than pretty much anything on television. Perhaps I'm just lonely out here on my own. And to hear this format done properly, you really should be subscribing to the Two Minute Time Lord, who is deep thought and wit personified. I believe he's also on social networks. Although I forget the details. Journey to the centre of the TARDIS. What did we think? Terrifying. And it, and beautifully uh, photographed and uh, CGI'd. And, but mostly a roller coaster ride. You know when you open a drawer full of cables? Like upstairs. Like upstairs. <laughs> say, say, for example, you're keeping all your cables in a drawer and they all do good things and like... They're all very useful and you want a lot of them, but you open up the drawer and there's this just big massive cables and you're not sure which bit goes where and it's all a bit confusing and annoying. That That's my main thought about the episode. Overall, I enjoyed it as I would enjoy a drawer of cables or possibly <laughs> something more compelling than that. But I think on the whole, it was a bit confused. The end sort of, it didn't annoy me. It seemed like an easy get out, but did, it didn't annoy me. Did it now justify the, the means? I really liked the end because so often in Doctor Who, if there's a magic button to press, we get quite cross about that, don't we? Mm. But they made a very conscious mm. joke about it, <laughs> which I yeah. like a lot. The big friendly button. Yeah. yeah. I just like the way that they use the setup of the TARDIS as 
a space-time machine that can exist across time and therefore you can do things like that. The, 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 the fact that you can sort of do a Moibus strip within the TARDIS in terms of time, you can just like go, here you are, Doctor, here's, here's mm. what you need to do. Oh, thanks very much, Doctor. Yes, I'll press that button. So I was quite happy with that. Yeah, well, I had to try and explain it to the littlest Doctor afterwards. And I explained how it worked. And he said, what? <laughs> and I, I explained it again. Him. I said, it, it, it wouldn't work in real life, Luke. Oh, it really <laughs> I like that they'd spent a little bit more on the set. And you did get to mm. see quite a few of the rooms in the TARDIS. And I'm sure that there were lots of people thinking, oh, well, that's not how I, it appeared in my head. But I actually thought that, you know, the library was gorgeous. Oh, it was beautiful. So huge and exciting. I I was quite, I wasn't surprised that all we saw of the swimming pool was a picture. (laughs) Of the swimming pool, yes. (laughs) Kill surprise. I also like that the corridors were made a lot smaller and more Warren-like than we Mm. saw in The Doctor's Wife. Yeah. Because that, that to me just felt great, a bit more claustrophobic, like the ship was contracting and pulling everything Mm. in. The fact that Matt Smith almost had to bend down to get through mm. them was mm. really exciting. But, but then when you go into bigger rooms like the library and the... Um, the library is magnificent. Beautiful. And he's got his own observatory with a massive telescope <laughs> so he can just sit there like in deep space looking through his telescope. I love that idea. But why would you need to look through a telescope when you could just go to the stars anyway? Ah, because he's a romantic at heart. What I liked was the idea of, of a bottled encyclopedia. Mm, yeah. And I wonder yeah. how you access that knowledge. I mean, do you just take it out and waft it onto yourself like it is a cologne of some description? Or maybe you drink a bit and then you know a chapter. And then what would you... That would be like the <laughs> ultimate synesthesia, wouldn't it? Yeah. See? You know, life is a herald, as they say. You can drink a dictionary. You can ingest <laughs> life itself. You, you glug it down and... Mm. That one reminded me of the entire 11th century. <laughs> the one thing I found quite curious was the fact that she managed to walk straight to a book about the Time War and managed to open it on a page that gave the Doctor's name. Wasn't that lucky? Yeah. I well, it is a book that surely only he could have written because he's the only survivor yes, of the Time War. Yes, exactly. So if he doesn't want people to know his name, why write it in a book and then put it where she can find it? Unless the TARDIS wrote it. Mm. Or yes. maybe it's because the Doctor's so vain that he's always turning to that page and reading about himself. So it just flops open at that particular <laughs> yeah. page. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> I was saying to somebody today in the um, Apple store in Regent Street, we were discussing <laughs> Jenna Louise Coleman's um, performance, in fact. She's very positive. She's very upbeat. But she's also quite scared inside. Mm. So does that. She She's constantly trying to take it in and accept it. And actually overcoming her fear. But she does have a weird calmness when she finds that those time zombies are her. Yes. And and that he's met her twice before and she's died both times. In fact, well, she died a third time in this episode, didn't she? Yeah. yeah. So, But she takes that remarkably calmly. Yes. I think she's constantly seeking to overcome her... Uh, having her mind blownness mm. uh, and just like go, okay, well, I've got to accept this. I've got to process this. And I think it's going in, you know, I think it's a very brave, it's, it, she's performing a very brave character. And I'm, I hugely admire what mm. Jenna Louise Coleman is doing. I very much like the scene where the doctor and Clara walk through the exploding heart of the TARDIS. Mm. And all of those pieces suspended like some sort of oh, modern yeah. sculpture. And just, that idea of a, a ferociously violent moment in time frozen and suspended mm. so that 
you can just walk through it and analyze what's happening without being overwhelmed or consumed by it. It was a really interesting mm, concept. Yeah. I love that it sort of thing. It looked beautiful too. as well. Mm. Yeah. I do think this series is beautifully shot. I know Chris Sigma mm. has said this previously. Uh, the shots in the console room in particular just makes it feel like a very forbidding space. Mm. Did anybody else, when the older brother jammed his crowbar into the TARDIS console, kind of just go, no, Yeah, no. I did. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. I winced. You can't do that to the TARDIS. To me, it's a sort of sacred space, if you yeah. know what I mean. It's the, the it's a constant mm. haven uh, in my mind. Because, you know, we've grown up with Doctor Who. And yeah. The TARDIS is a safe place. My, my response as soon, as soon as he did with that was less, no. And more. Oh, that'll cost you. <laughs> oh. I love, the, the, I love the, the doctor's line. Have you ever seen a spaceship get ugly? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, don't you know? Don't don't touch anything because the TARDIS will get get huffy if you mess. Yes. I like that. <laughs> what about the brothers? I was going to yeah. ask. Were what they a horrible bunch? They were sort of well, uh, all of them. Rent, no. rent a space cockney for some reason. Oh, yes. They're always cockneys this far out into space. <laughs> um, I thought they were quite good, actually. I thought they were quite believable. Yeah, like, very interesting group dynamics. Yes, I, thought, I, I did get a, quite a whiff of menace of their group dynamic. Of the middle brother. Is that the tall one? No, that's the short one. The oh, tall the one thief. is the old one. The He's, middle one is the... Oh, that's right. I want to yeah, be a leader yeah. one. Yeah. And the youngest one is the robot. Because he, he was like the brightest of the bunch, wasn't he? Yeah. And who hit the, the father had said, you can have command. But when the accident happened, obviously they yeah. took away that possibility. And they took advantage of the fact mm. that he forgot about it. That was so yeah. cruel. Yeah. Yes, it was very mean. Are you the surgeon that operated on my son? I am indeed, sir. How is he? Oh, he'll live. But he was lucky. Damn lucky. Thank goodness for that. I'll blame myself, really. Always sending him out, salvaging. There was bound to be an accident sooner or later. A salvage accident. That's the thing about salvaging, isn't it? There's always accidents. Usually involving the salvage maiming people in unspecified ways. Yeah, that's what happened in this case, too. There was an accident. With salvage, a salvage accident. Well, he didn't get away unharmed, I'm afraid. He won't make a full recovery. What do you mean, Doctor? The salvage accident destroyed his eyes, voice box and his memory. What, just those three things? Yes. That's pretty specific. Agreed, but those are the facts. How are his eyebrows? Fine. And the rest of his throat, his windpipe and his gullet? Those were unaffected by the accident. But his voice box was destroyed completely? Yes indeed, it got ripped to shreds. Luckily the surrounding area was not damaged. And his memory is entirely gone? Not all of it, just... Anything that pertains to him having a family or being human. Again, that seems almost unbelievably targeted. You're telling me. Two inches to the left and it would have been his sense of whimsy. A quarter inch to the right and he wouldn't have been able to taste citrus fruit for the rest of his life. Like I say, he was damn lucky. So you're saying that somehow, while out salvaging, my son tripped and fell on his eyes voice box in the memory centre of his brain? Looks that way. It's actually more common than you think. It's a documented medical phenomenon. We call it narratum contrivitus. Obviously, we've replaced the affected areas with robot parts. Of course. Why wouldn't you? Right, well, I suppose i better go and tell my other two sons. I have to remind them to be mature about all this. You know how boys can be. Oh, no, wait. Oh, it looks like I'm having a heart attack instead. Oh, dear. 
I'm not sure I'm going to survive this. Would you mind telling my sons to be responsible about Tricky's injuries and not make fun of him? I'm sorry, I can't promise you that. I have a sore throat coming on. <coughs> well, fair enough. We'll just have to hope for the best. I don't really understand why I'm dying, though. I was always so healthy. It appears you've caught Narratum Contrivitus, too. Probably in some sort of salvage accident. Yeah, that makes total sense. <gasps> There's that whole idea of, did the middle brother really redeem himself at the end of it? Well, I noticed on the second uh, watching that the photograph that you see right at the start of the Mm -hmm. episode only has two of the brothers in it, not the android. And then when you see it at the end, it's got them all there. Mm, I did notice that uh, uh, this afternoon as well when I rewatched it. And the idea is that they've not had the adventure. That whole adventure doesn't exist for them. No. So when you... When when the Doctor resets time, mm. um, the effect of the adventure is still with them. Yep. Because the middle brother is is still, well, starts defending the younger one, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. A little bit. So I love the idea that it's that sort of Moffat trope of um, the effects of 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 time being rewritten can have ripples mm. going backwards and forwards within time. And one of the ripples in this episode is that mm. dynamic being sort of um, changed. Subtly shifted. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But also the idea that the Doctor is going to have a positive influence on the vast majority of people who he meets, regardless mm. of regardless of how dodgy they are when he first meets them. Yeah. Mm. He's well, going to somehow have a redeeming, restorative effect. Now, the, <laughs> the time zombies, yikes, and mm. yowza, and oh my goodness, all rolled into one. Because I was thinking, oh my goodness, this is some horrible dark secret from the Doctor's past. Mm. He's got these things in the TARDIS, presumably locked up, but they've got free since the accident. Mm. Uh, What is that all about? Yeah. And then you find out what they really are. That is a horrible thing. And one yeah, of them, yeah. one of them is Clara, and the other one, and another one is the Doctor. Well, two, yeah, yeah. There mm. was a Doctor. There was the, 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 the one with the hand stuck yes. to its face is the Doctor because he's got his hand stuck to the face as he looks at it through the porthole. Yeah, and yes, I was like, that's right. Oh my goodness, that's the Doctor. Because I-, I didn't know that if they were initially, if the one with the hand over its face was like that because it had there was some idea about shame and this is something that he's ashamed of and has had mm. to hide. Mm. But no, it was kind of exasperation, really, wasn't mm. it? That, yeah led him to make that gesture. But you've got a point there, Loz. Maybe it is shame. Maybe he put his hand up to his head in shame at leading them into that situation. Mm. But that was a... I really did think that was going to be a I'm going to have to sacrifice myself to save you thing when he rushes through that burning room and, and then they're trapped in there and it was just like, well, you know that you've only got seconds until <laughs> your skin melts off and mm-hmm. everything inside you starts burning from the inside out. What? going on and he knew what the time zombies were even before he went into the control room it mm. was quite clear that he knew so it's that that sense that again it's the doctor's faith that in himself and his own abilities that he can sort it out he still goes into the room even though he knows what that's going to lead to because mm-hmm. he, he he ultimately believes that i will have to find a way of, re- of rewriting time to sort this out so i'm gonna go anyway mm. we saw more of the dangerous doctor 
don't get into a spaceship with a madman <laughs> yes. doctor. You do. He tricks them. And I love the way he does it as well mm. by just like turning on the, um, the clock app yes. on the console <laughs> saying this is a countdown yes. to blowing up the TARDIS. But I'm pleased that also turned into an actual threat because if that's yes. all it was, that would have been a really big disappointment. <laughs> yes. But just how, how gleefully is about having managed to, to dupe them <laughs> is quite funny. <laughs> Team, welcome to the Futuristic Zone. Uh, Captain, what now? Um, well, I think we should do a mental game. Mental? Righto, Captain. And who wants to play this one? I think Julie should do it. What are you asking? Julie, right. Come on, guys. I think I know just the one just over here. Julie, this is a two-minute game, and your time starts the second I close the door. Just remember that you shouldn't touch anyone else, or the future will reassert itself. What? In you go! What can you see, Julie? Ah! Tell us what you can see! Uh, Sort of fiery zombie thing! Just just don't touch them! They're staggering this way! Help! Keep going, Julie. We need that crystal. Let me out. Let me out. Mm, should I let her out, Captain? I did tell you it was a mental game. Oh, give her another few seconds. It's coming for me. Oh, let her out, Richard, please. Oh, come on out, Julie. Julie? <laughs> oh, I get it now. They're me, right? Right? So, should we uh, should we wrap up then when, with what uh, a sentence each on what we thought? Okay. Yes, I love the way that they presented the TARDIS with all its many rooms and functions and the sort of uh, super engineering sort of almost like magic, the way it can um, rebuild itself and reconfigure itself and the way it has a personality. Um, and it's kind of dangerous to know, isn't it? But on the whole... I thought it was a tremendous roller coaster ride and quite often, yikes! I thought uh, uh, Loz's kind of image of a bowl of linguine was, was probably quite right. It was very twisty and turny, but I quite liked that and it seemed to fit with the fact that it was entirely in bits of the TARDIS that we'd never seen before. I thought it was beautifully kind of realised on the screen and actually had a surprisingly satisfactory conclusion for me. So I really, really enjoyed it. I think it was like a very small bowl of tiramisu in that it started out being a bit of fluffy, creamy fun and then it gets a bit interesting. You wake up, there's some danger, there's some coffee, it's quite exciting. But then when you get down to the really good bit, the nice um, soaked brandy sponge thing, then suddenly it's over and you want more of it. But there have been some good bits but you want some more. That's why it's a very small bowl of tiramisu. So in, in other words, Loz wanted it to be a two-parter. Okay, the haiku for Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. Rag and bone spacemen don't really help find Clara. Handy time reset. You just don't, you, you just, you know, you don't get any worse, do you? In fact, you just get better. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So, uh, I think, on the whole, we're a happy bunch of oods this week. As I reckon so. As we always are. 
So nothing unusual there. <laughs> Normal service will continue next week, I'm <laughs> sure. Uh, so uh, for now, it is goodbye from me, Chris Alpha. Goodbye from me, Toodlepip. And it's goodbye from me, Andy. See you next week, folks. That wasn't really. Good. <laughs> that wasn't what I thought it was. No, good, good. That was this. <laughs> Don't do it on demand, Andrew. <laughs> Push the button. Doesn't